Last night, two wanderers in an echoing cave made quiet conversation in a blur of cloth and promises. Last night, an artist and a soldier had a long conversation. Last night, for eight little ones, the world changed forever. And now it's time to wake up. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. Cat, I'm the king of the podcast. With me today are um, Archduke Nick. Mm, I'm not one for the landed gentry, but sure. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, this one got away from me when I realized that I really only have one for one of you. So, I mean, some kind of dope-ass knight, Kathleen? <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Uh, codes, oh, I, I can deal with that. Yeah, sounds good. And I guess um, like a court jester, but dressed like a kitty cat, Kirsten. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was picturing, too. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I can call Kirsten whatever as long as I dress it like a kitty cat. <laughs> so at least we're all on the same page. <laughs> okay. So last week, you guys concluded your negotiations with the countess. And you, Tissa used a great, great deal of magical energy to effectively create an emotional seal on the place that would prevent people from desiring to continue into it. And it is the next morning. There's a very smart move, that seal. This place is not, it's not good for children. Kids don't love it. <laughs> Do we know what? Like, what happened? Have we seen anyone do that kind of spell before? Like, overscatter? You haven't if, over the course of the campaign. I don't know. Have you seen it before? Um, I would say Penelope has not. Like, she knows what happens when you get out of scatter, but hasn't heard of people having the ability to actually be able to spend more scatter than possible. So she was quite concerned and probably spent the night in a bundle of blankets beside Tissa's cot. Okay. So my question for you, well, let's, let's not start with questions today. <laughs> it is morning time. It is a somewhat gray morning. The sky is pale and spotted. Meow. The sky is yeah, spotted. <laughs> the sky is That's pale a real word. and you're a real word. We're all a real word together. What? You mean it's not? <laughs> Look, I'm bad at words. I thought spotted was a word. Definitely I'm trying to Okay. The sky <laughs> Okay, well no, that's not doing it. <laughs> that's a very hostile <laughs> That's a very hostile take on this line. The hostile sky. <laughs> There's a hostel in the sky, and everyone's flying cloud oaks to it. <laughs> okay. So, the sky is pale green and mottled with gray and lavender clouds that cling to the horizons. And the air is cool and damp and full of the cries of those omnipresent seagulls. As Tissa awakes in her room aboard the Westbreaker. Penelope is there. Penelope, are you still awake or have you passed out? Uh, I probably did fall asleep. I meant to stay awake, but at some point I fell asleep because that's kind of how Penelope is. She doesn't not sleep. <laughs> I was going to say, if Penelope was up, that is out of character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Penelope is slumped in a pile of blankets by the bedside, leaning up against Pollyanna, who is wide awake and looking around the room. And so Tissa wakes up, kind of confused, really not sure, like, what just happened or where she is. Um, and so she looks around the room and makes a show of sort of, like, wiggling the extremities of her body and sort of like mumbles to herself something effective like um I 
here again? And so then she gets up and immediately trips over Penelope. Uh, ow! Oh, ow! Oh. Uh, um... Oh, hey, um... How, how, how are you feeling? You, you kind of gave me a fright there. You, you were kind of what, you were unconscious and couldn't really wake you. Um. Oh, um, uh, I, I wasn't there. No, I wasn't here, but I'm here now. I, yeah. Thank you for getting me back. Oh, uh, no, no, no problem. Um, yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't just leave you in, in that place. Um, I think, I think whatever it was seemed to work. Uh, there was something that happened. I think that something you did and seemed to work. I don't know exactly what it was, but... I... I think that you can't go there anymore. Yeah, I I hope that no one gets to meet the Countess again. Mm. Mm. Yes, yes. Um. Good. That's, uh... That's, that's, that's good. And then, uh... Penelope nervously shuffles some blankets around to hide because she doesn't normally get to sketch faces very often and was actually maybe possibly sketching Tissa's face. Or, like, yeah, so it's kind of like she kind of tries to shuffle it so she can't quite see, but I don't know if Tissa notices or... Tissa probably doesn't notice. There's a lot of stuff Tissa doesn't notice. There's a lot of stuff Tissa doesn't notice. It's fine. Sometimes she notices the important things, and that's really what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, are, are you... Are you hungry? Uh, like, how, how are you feeling? Uh, my ears are ringing real bad. But I think that that's how this goes. But what time is... She looks outside. Oh! I wasn't out all that long. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's still morning. I heard... I think I kind of roused a little bit and heard Marcus walking the deck. He gets up pretty early, but then I sort of rolled over and went back to sleep. So Tiss is going to look around the room and... Oh, what did Penelope do with the stuff you recovered from the campsite? Everything that is Tissa's is in the room. Uh, it's kind of in a haphazard pile because uh, she doesn't do organization well. So it's kind of piled in a, in a corner, ready for her to do as she will. Did I tell you to get my spear? Spear? My, my spear from... I don't see it. Oh. Oh, I hope I didn't miss something. I, I thought I collected everything from the site. Um, no, it, um, it would have been after, oh. If you would like, I can have, um, uh, I can have Polly give you a, a ride back to where the site was, if you want to take a... Oh, a no, 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 you can't get there anymore. Because it would have been after? At the Countess's... I must have... No, we can't go there anymore, so it's, yeah. Oh, it's too bad. I think Pollyanna stands up and starts, like, heading over to the door. She can't open this door on her own, so she's just going to kind of impatiently look at uh, Penelope. Oh, um, here, yes. And she opens the door and lets Polly wander out. Yeah, and she takes to the sky and flies a few laps around the ship. She's probably a little bit stiff. She's basically a huge cat. She's basically a huge cat. <laughs> let me outside. I'm going to stare at you till you let me outside. <laughs> <laughs> the Penelope Pollyanna Kirsten trifecta is really just a series of various sized cats. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. It's true. Penelope just kind of like watches her take off and, and uh, turns to Tess and says, uh... I think I'm going to get some, some coffee and breakfast. I can bring some to your room if you'd like, if you're feeling like taking an easy morning or... Um, no, I think I'm okay. 
I think I'm okay this time. All right, all right. Um, I'll see you at, at breakfast if you uh, mm. if you come down. Um, yeah. Uh, I might be a minute. Thank you. I'm glad glad you're well. And then she turns to to leave and get food. Okay, so what did Cobb's morning look like? Well, once Cobb had made sure that everybody was, like, safe and, you know, there wasn't any sort of residual stuff going on, Cobb has not seen Overscatter, but he's heard of it. He's heard tales and all that kind of stuff, so he was he was worried. But when it seemed like everybody was just sleeping soundly, he, he made sure to uh, uh, get things going on the boat, the ship, pardon, Basically, he did a bunch of, you know, like, early chores, simple stuff like that. And uh, other than that, he's probably afterwards going to be in town. Most likely a good place for breakfast, you know, someplace where he can get a nice big breakfast. Bacon, eggs, all that fun stuff. Coffee. Probably with Marcus. Yeah, I was just going to say, Marcus sleeps uncharacteristically late. But um, he was really groggy. Uh, the night before, but he's up by the time you're done your chores. So yeah, he'll join you for breakfast. Sounds good. Cobb also has probably, like Cobb and, and Marcus probably went to the, and by probably I mean this is most certainly what they would have done, gone to the checkerboard lodge and talked with the other rangers here about the kids. Oh, we're not there, right? Yeah, we're outside Hushwave, yeah. Checkerboard no lodge worry. is in Hushwave. Oh, there, okay. there is a hotel here, um... The kids, it appears, came back with Lily and Steven and crashed with them. Okay. But there's definitely, like, a mare that can be talked to about that, yeah. Yeah, because that is, that is a definitely something then that we would need to uh, need to figure out what to do with all of these kids who have kind of shown up again after a long time. I mean, effectively returned to life, right? Yeah. Effectively, yeah. I mean, I guess the big thing is to see if any of them still have living relatives, if any of them, like, are from a long time ago. Yeah. Um, or if any of them are were from, like, the group uh, previous that we may have just missed or something like that, who, yeah. who had gone out there recently. One of the children went through last night and was returned to their family, who was extremely cross with them, but is fine. Two of the children were from, like... A decade ago. So while it's super weird, they can still kind of be reunited with their families. And the remaining five have distant relatives. If any, there are a couple who don't have any living relatives in town. Well, at least one of them had to be from before the mountains fell, given how long the encampment had been collecting Hector's words. Oh, yeah, it was a you got several hundred years worth, right? The mayor's not entirely positive about these things because it is just the day after, but that's kind of what some rudimentary research and kind of, uh, like, knowledge in the town is those are when people disappeared. So there's a couple still unaccounted for. Well, at least there's the few who sort of who can go back to relatives, so that that's good. But you said that we had the the five then who are from too far out of time. They're from far enough out of time that the mayor doesn't know offhand who they might belong to. Okay. So in that case, then we'll probably have them at the, I guess, town hall or whatever they have here. I don't know how big this town is. See about keeping them there for now until they can figure out what exactly is going on with them. Yeah. According to the mayor, the children are sticking pretty closely with the people who brought them back. So they're kind of, the kids are all sticking together. Okay, so in that case, then probably after breakfast, Cobb is going to go meet with the group and try and figure out what to what to do from there. But for right now, it is time to get a big breakfast in because we got a big day of talking to people. Yep, you guys have a lot on your plates today. And so you should have a lot on your plates when you go eat breakfast. <laughs> Penelope definitely does. Yeah, I was just going to ask. Penelope's already there, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. She's probably the first to arrive. It's weird that she's up this early, but it's not weird that she's already eating. <laughs> Are you all eating on the ship? Or actually, it would be cute if we went back to the same place as yesterday. That seems to be what Marcus had in mind. He enjoyed dinner. So if Cobb doesn't have any suggestions, he's going to suggest breakfast there. And Penelope's going to go, if she doesn't really see anything on the ship, she's going to go to where she starts to smell food. 
and that would probably be the place we were last night. Yeah, because it was pretty close to the pier. Cobb is good with that. He wants a nice big coffee, and he wants, like, a croissant. I know that's not how you say that word, but I'm not French, so apologies. And he wants bacon, and he wants egg, and, I don't know, probably juice. They've got juice here. Yeah. Probably fresh squeezed delicious. Probably. So a couple of the other sailors from the Westbreaker show up because either because they heard this place was good from their one colleague who's from around here or because they got dragged here by their colleague who's from around here. (laughs) Also assuming this place has croissants, which it might. We'll see. Eventually, Clara stumbles in. As usual, she slept late. And I think that Tissa came after most everyone else, but probably before Clara. Okay. Whoa. You guys don't look so good. Hmm. Rough night? It was, yeah, it was a busy night. You could say that. Marcus grumbles, and he's kind of already nursing his coffee. I think that we brought eight people back to life last night. Oh, wow. Back to life? Or were they... Well, I guess if they're out of time, they weren't... Can you be alive and out of time? And then... Or are you not really technically alive? It's a metaphor, Penelope. Oh. Neat. Yeah, you missed missed out on all the... uh... So what, did something happen? Well... Did you hear about the storyteller? Uh, so we... Um... We met the Countess of the Silver River, and we brought eight people back to life, and none of us are dead. Oh, great. I'm glad none of you are dead. Thank you. And I think there's kind of like a weird silence around the table, just like I think the... The sailors being sailors were expecting a story told with a little more flair than that. <laughs> and so they're all just kind of awkwardly looking at each other like, um... That was the important things, though, right? I mean, it's important that you're not dead. That was the accelerated version of the story, yes. But, yeah, we, after, um, which you may not have been paying attention to, uh... After the storyteller we, we encountered. Huh? Um, yes, there was a, so there was a storyteller yesterday, which, again, you were busy studying rocks or walls made of rocks. The there was a substantial amount of corrosion caused by exposure to salt and other seaside hazards. I had to look. It, it's a port town, yes, but... For the rest of us who were paying attention to Not Rocks, there was a storyteller who spun a fantastic yarn about treasure. Commander, cops bullying me. And Marcus does not even acknowledge that. He does not even acknowledge that. He just shakes his head and returns to his coffee. That's a little uncharacteristic for him, because usually he'll acknowledge Clara's... um... He's very tired. (laughs) He's extremely tired, and he's very cranky. Okay, okay. So there was a storyteller who was, I guess, more interesting than corrosion on the indigenous limestone, but... She was actually a demon. Oh. And she was convincing all of the kids to go to a treasure cave, and then Cobb is making big air quotes... Or whatever passes for air quotes. Neat. Was there treasure? There was not. I'm assuming you went. We we did. As it turns out, however, it was kind of a, I guess, like, honeypot? It, a bunch of kids went there looking for treasure. Huh? There was some very pretty uh, silvered rocks there that you would, have, you would have loved them. Do you want these fruits? Yes, I do. Thank, thank you. Uh... As it turns out, she had been collecting children for the last few centuries. And so we made sure to get the kids out safe. Why? Children aren't very useful. You would have to ask her. Hmm. Please don't, though. 
I don't think you should ask her. No. Mm, no, no, it, that place is forbidden for people to go now, because I, I think that's part of the deal that, that happened, is that it was her domain, and anyone that went there is forfeit now, anyone that would go there is forfeit. Something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just, just don't go there. Okay. <laughs> hmm. Tissa doesn't have her spear, and so she doesn't know what to do with her hands, so she's kind of passing the scarf uh, from the left hand of the Countess back and forth between her hands. Hey, Tissa, you look different. Huh? You look different. Um, There's something different about you. Um. Have you changed your scarf style? I don't, uh, think so. But I, um, I was gone for a little bit, and I came back? Doesn't look like the usual Tissa, right? Mm. Right? Cobb kind of, like, tilts his head and squints a little bit. No, I see, I, I, no, I, I, I see what you're, uh, I see what you're getting there. Yeah, no, you do look a little different, Tissa. Did you get a scarf cut? <laughs> Not exactly where I was going. But thank you, Clara. I mean, I know my clothing always looks a little bit different if I sleep in my clothes, which I often do. Um, you look like you always do. Hmm? You look like you always do. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, but, like, the clothing might look different if she... Because she did... She she had passed out, so... No, oh, there's something missing. Uh, hmm? It's not just things are wrinkly. She, there's something missing. Hmm... Oh, um, yeah, uh, I left. No, I, I don't have my spear. (gasps) That's it. That's what it is. That's what's different. Hmm. You dropped it? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Hmm. 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 I suppose people don't get scarf cuts, huh? Mostly the old ones sort of start fraying, and you see more of the new ones. Hmm. Well, it's been nice breakfasting with you all, but I've remembered I have to... Engines. And science? I have to engines and science. Good day, everybody. Bye! It was nice having breakfast with you, too. You're just gonna, you're just gonna leave that one. <laughs> Marcus looks up. You're just gonna leave that. <laughs> She's gonna do engines and science. I look. If she wants to do engines and science, I'm not gonna stop her. I've got other things that we have to do today. <laughs> it's probably fine. I mean, science and engines is her job, so we can hope she does that. So, Marcus, thank you for looking after the children when we went back. Um, mm-hmm. Where where are they? Um, they're staying with the miscreants. Miscreants? Yes. I well, that's unfair. Only one of them is identifiably a miscreant. <laughs> Oh, is that the tracker? Um, oh, no, um, well, maybe, I suppose I didn't quite ask him. Um, Hmm. I was standing vigil at the cave entrance when I was approached by a young treasure hunter, um, seeking to be allowed in. I informed him in no uncertain terms that this was strictly forbidden, and he engaged me with several questions on the subject, which I realized too late were to divert my attention while another miscreant snuck in unnoticed by myself. She, she short blonde hair, had a mm, big knife? Uh, I saw someone matching that description leave later, but did not see her enter. Mm. Because I was distracted. By someone who I realized too late was a diversion. Well, you're too you're too nice, Marcus. 
He kind of blinks at you. That's a new one. So all the kids are with them? That's what we heard, yes. I was going to say, maybe I'll check on the kids, but I don't even know where, where these two live. Um, you remember Stephen saying they were staying at the hotel? Mm. Have I connected that Stephen is... Um, let's see. Stephen did mention that he, he called his sister Lil. So you met Lily. I think you determined that that might have been enough for Penelope to figure it out. Uh, okay. And then when I meant, it mentioned the two of them being together and the young man being a distraction, probably fit it all together. If anyone you've met on this journey could be described as a miscreant, I mean, Stephen probably. <laughs> hmm. I, I guess I should check on, on them and maybe bring some food as well. She starts taking huge piles of stuff and stuffing it in a sack. Uh, that is fine. It is fine. They'll probably be pretty hungry. As she says this, she says it through a mouthful of food. Because <laughs> she herself is probably going to eat half of this on the way to... Yes. Very well. All right. Well, Tissa, Cobbler... What are your plans? Well, I did want to talk to them. We do need to figure out at the very least what to, <sighs> kind of what to do here. And uh, I, I do want to talk some more with the, with the tracker. She is, um, she was quite helpful. Hmm. I see. And you, Tissa, are you, are you all right? Um, I, I think so. I wanted to say thank you. Hmm? Oh, to you. Oh. For, uh, for helping. Uh, no, uh, glad to. I'm, I'm glad everyone made it out safely. I am too. I suppose then we are all headed to the hotel. We should at very least follow Miss Hunter so that we can deal with the consequences of whatever it is Miss Hunter decides to do. Uh, I don't, I don't cause that much trouble. Mm. Bye. She starts walking off. I do not like that she's associating with Clara. <laughs> Clara is a bad influence on her. I don't. Terrible. <laughs> well, I'm ready to go. So I guess party go to hotel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Cobb is, at least. I, I guess everybody else can do whatever it is that they want to do. So outside the hotel, there is kind of a large grassy area dotted with twisted trees where you can see uh, a collection of seven children. The eighth has just returned home, none the worse for wear. Actually, no, let's, let's say five children. The children whose parents could be quickly identified were also reunited with them as soon as possible. So we have got, um, we've got five children kind of seated on the grass. Some of them are playing. Some of them are talking among themselves. Lily is nowhere to be seen. Um, Stephen is kind of seated quietly under the tree watching the kids. I mean, anyone who likes can roll me perception. Not perception, uh... Whatever the hell I use for that. Sensitivity. Sensitivity. I, I will do that because I like rolling. Nick loves to roll dice. It's great. I, uh, he said probably what? Sensitivity, humanity? Yes. Uh, Cobb is actually not too bad at that. Let's see what we got. Uh, one success, two edge successes. One success is enough to see that Lily's actually in the tree. She's away from the other people. She's just hanging out up there. Tissa got two successes, also sees Lily. And upon seeing uh, the kids and Steven in the distance, Penelope notices that her hair is still kind of like messy from waking up. So she kind of quickly like tosses it in a braid <laughs> as she's walking up. <laughs> so she doesn't notice anything. Penelope's the cutest. <laughs> okay. So yeah, um, when you guys roll up, Steven kind of looks up, gives you guys a wave. Gives you guys a big grin, especially when he looks over Penelope's shoulder and sees Marcus, who is none too pleased to see him. <laughs> and a couple of the kids look up, including the biggest of the kids, the one who was hanging out next to Cobb. 
for most of the night. Some of them look up and walk up to you. Some of them continue playing. I don't know if anyone's hungry, but I brought some food. And I plop down the big bag of random breakfast stuff. And yeah, the kids actually do just kind of run and swarm around you. Stephen shrugs. They ate, but I mean, what are you going to do? There's always, always more food. And at that, Penelope bends down and actually picks up another bun and starts munching on it. Some of them haven't eaten for, I guess, either hours or maybe a couple hundred years. Yeah, that's true, huh? Yeah, these, uh, these guys told me all about what happened. Uh, that's, a that's, uh, real messed up, huh? Oh, Penelope, uh, you, you didn't introduce me to, me to your friends, would you? Oh, yes, um, hey, uh, this is Steven. He waves. And, uh, Steven, this is Tissa, and this is John Cobb and Marcus. We've met. Oh, yes. yes and you, and you Stephen have. laughs. <laughs> Stephen laughs. Marcus is not laughing, but Stephen is. <laughs> Penelope's trying to hide a grin. Yes, I uh, I did meet the good commander last night. We had a lovely talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now these... Uh... Oh, wait, you're, you're Tissa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a pleasure to meet you. Oh. Yeah. I've, I've heard some about you guys from, from Penelope and some from the... From the little guys, I am uh, surprised to see Mr. Cobb in the daylight. Um, you told me he was dead. I thought he was a ghost. <laughs> you said he was dead. Uh. <laughs> and the kid kind of just shrugs. <laughs> He's like, okay, well, I was led to believe that, um, that you were deceased. That you were a dead ghost. No, no, actually none of us are dead. And that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. We did. We did avoid that. Yeah, and um, and he kind of he looks back over his shoulder. Uh, thanks for making sure everybody got out safe. I mean, we had a plan getting in, but getting out might not have happened w- without your help. And I'm I'm really grateful, you guys. Hmm. Well, thank you. It was um, it was helpful to have have you guys as well. And a hand kind of reaches down out of the tree to swat at him. He is not quite within arm's reach. Oh. Hey, hey, Lily. The hand hesitates, waves a little, and then just back up into the tree. Well, she doesn't come down. This is sort of nodding in admiration, like, yeah, no, yeah, no, Lily understands how you're supposed to do things. So, uh, what can I do for you guys? Well, I had a couple of things. First off, again, um, thanks for looking after everybody here for, for a little while. He, he raises his hands. I've been around a ton of kids my whole life. This is this is nothing. We will have to talk with the the rest of the folks here in town about how to get them best situated later. But I did want to talk with, and Cobb kind of thumbs up to the tree, the gal in the tree there about, oh, I don't know, you, uh, you did a really good job. And it's very unusual to see a ranger out by themselves, so... We always got space on the, the boat for uh, another crewman. Uh, I mean, ouch. Oh, you're a... <laughs> yeah, give me a second. Give me a second. And he, he kind of grabs onto a tree branch and swings up and is in the tree for a minute. Cobb kind of leans over to everybody else. Wait, they're a package deal? Of course. <laughs> That's how siblings are. And he just kind of shrugs. Eh, all right, I can live with that. And eventually Steven swings down from the tree. Yeah, uh, sorry, Lil doesn't really like uh, talking to strangers. She gets overwhelmed easy in social situations, so I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of her go-between. Fair enough. I guess then the offer extends to the both of you. It's hard to run a, it's hard to run a ship with only three people. Well, three people and an elk. There's like a, a whole... We have a perfectly functioning crew, cobbler. Yes, but we won't have a perfectly functioning crew when we drop you off. And he just kind of takes a deep breath. <laughs> or were you going to give us the crew as well? Because I'm okay with that. It is your ship. And staffing decisions will be made at your discretion. Yeah, well, it is my ship. But again, the crew is yours for now. And I'm imagining that we will be needing to find a couple more people to um, 
shall we say, help run the ship? You know? Don't get me wrong, Marcus. You are, uh, you guys are a really good crew, but we do kind of have you on borrowed time. My objection was not so much to the act of hiring additional crew members, but to your choice of additional crew members to scout. And Stephen kind of shrugs and chuckles again. (laughs) And actually, the kid that was hanging on to Cobb walks up to him and just kind of grabs him by the elbow. Take me with you. Um... Oh, okay. Um, this is a this is a little boy, and he's looking you directly in the face. How old are the kids again? Like how? Um, this one seems to be about like twelve. Definitely the biggest of the kids. Most of them are hovering in like the uh, kind of like the eight to ten range. Mm. The one who was crying aboard Penelope is probably like closer to like a six. But are you sure we? I mean, you may have other relatives and. Well, and Cobb kind of thinks back. No, I kind of wanted to get on a boat when I was when I was twelve too. So, hmm. Tell you what, Marcus is just cradling his temples right now. Like he just he cannot with Cobb right now. Look, I started work officially on on boats when I was fifteen. Do you want to grow up like him? <laughs> is that what you want? <laughs> C- Cobb is just going to like. Do like do his big like smile and like try and Superman pose a little bit. <laughs> and the, the kid kind of, like Stephen can't control his laughter. Stephen has to like cover his mouth and duck away. But um, kid's still looking up. She was like, "No, I don't recognize this town." Like he kind of kind of steps away and lowers his voice because he's close to the other kids. I don't know this place anymore. This isn't, it's been too long. I can't, I can't stay here. I want to fight demons and stuff. I want to fight demons and take treasure and meet ghosts and get away from here. And Tissa, I, like, I don't know where she was looking before, but she is definitely looking right at this kid right now. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Adventure. You are all terrible influences. Cobb is going to sort of like kneel down and and put a hand on the kid's shoulder and and get serious for a moment. He's like, I can't say that I understand what you're going through. Missing that much time for anybody, you know, going away for an evening to have everything vanish on you. It's impossible for me to really comprehend what that's like. But I do know what life is like out on the sea. And it's hard. It's very hard. Uh, It's going to require a lot of you, and you are going to have to give everything that it requires, otherwise people can die. However, seeing as you really do not have anywhere else to belong right now, we can at the very least take you with us up somewhere else. And if life on the open ocean suits you, then we'll go from there, and if not, you can find some place to, some place where you can fit in. How does that sound? And yeah, 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 absolutely. Like he starts like just nodding furiously. Yep, yep, yep. No, I'll do good. I'll do good. I promise. I'll do good. Welcome to our crew. All right. Yeah, I'll do my best. Yeah. Cobb stands up then and sort of just thrusts out a big open palm. All right, shake on it. Yeah, and he. Reaches his wiry little hand out and takes yours and shakes your hand. All right. Well then, crewman, what do you go by? I know what I named this character, even though I knew that this was the plan. What are you talking about? I did this in advance. (laughs) What are you talking about? Where's my sheet of words? Okay, where's my notebook? Um, I don't have any good ones right now. So it's time for me to load up the thing that I use for all my names. Big names. I don't know why I decided I didn't need this. I'm a fool, you guys. Did you know that about me? You didn't name this kid Jonathan, did you? I did not. (laughs) Why would I name this kid Jonathan? That's a dumb name for a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I see how it is. Oh. 
it's Jimmy Jimmy Shoemaker. It's not Jimmy Shoemaker. It's um, it's Sot. Sot. Yeah. yeah. Spelled like soot, but with one fewer O. Like Scott, but with one fewer C. Aha. Well, welcome to the crew, then, Sot. He shakes your hand again. No, I'll, I'll do a good job. I'll do a good job. I promise. Well, we need to get you some supplies first before we go. Yeah, I uh, don't really have stuff. We'll we'll work on some of that. Well, we were here mostly for supplies, anyways. We can grab a couple of things. Really? He says mm-hmm. yes. Really. For now, though, there is some other stuff that we need to do here in town. So, uh, do you know how to get over to the dock? I imagine that's still in mostly the same spot. He points at where the ocean is. Just it's that way. Be back there around noon, and we'll get you situated. Right. We are the uh, large, unusual-looking ship in the port. Can't miss it. Okay. And he uh, he kind of returns to the returns to the other kids and starts quietly talking to them. Hmm. Are you sure that was the right choice, Mister Cobbler? Well, he's the only one who can who can let us know for certain. He's young, but uh, I worked on fishing vessels, that kind of stuff, when I was that age. As soon as I could get out on the open ocean, I just had to. So if he can do the work, then we'll let him tag along. We'll have to keep him away from Clara. She's a bad influence. (laughs) Well, maybe. We'll see how it goes. Oh, and uh, Stephen. Invitation still exists for you and um, your arboreal sibling. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're free agents. We go where the wind takes us. I'm kind of on sabbatical from the University of Arts. I mean, I mean, I'll talk to her about it. I'm sure she'd love to be stuck in close quarters with a lot of other human beings. And again, the hand comes down from the tree to swat at him. Yeah, she loves that kind of thing. <laughs> mm, well, so when Stephen says free agents going where the wind takes us, Tissa just, like, starts nodding with just complete guileless sincerity. <laughs> well, if you change your mind, again, we'll be back there around a little afternoon. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do we want to go home? Where are you guys headed? We're going north. To mm. the, I forget the name of the place that we're going to. The... Mechanical the bright City? The bright, the bright Wastes. Why did I think Mechanical City? I have no idea. I have never introduced such a thing. Maybe well, too many video games. You do play a lot of video games. We are investigating the the book where it teaches how to build. Oh, right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that everybody up there was like Clara, but I think she is a special case. <laughs> oh, let's hope so. I think most people up there are like Marcus. I think that's correct, yes. Well, I mean, if you guys are going by Stageport, I mean, I'll talk to Lil. It might be time we went home. Wouldn't be bad to hit your lift. We can certainly take you that far. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll talk to her about it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. And and thanks, guys. You you you're a a super cool team. <laughs> yeah, aren't we? Thank thanks again for the assist, Lily. And and Cobb kind of gives her a thumbs up. Her hand kind of awkwardly waves at you from upside down. And Tissa is starting to get a little bit distracted. She's sort of idly passing the scarf back and forth between her hands. Is frankly kind of jealous of the situation that Lily's found herself in and starts maybe looking to see if there isn't another tree she can get in. Yeah, there's there's other trees in the lawn of the hotel. There's some wiry, tough trees around a lot of places, actually, in this area. They're not as lush as the trees you left behind in the Coral Coast, but they are resilient and stubborn. I think that Tissa sets out to go climb up into one, but finds that she's really more under the weather than uh, she thought, and so maybe plops down at the base of one instead. Okay. Do you want to just settle down at the base of this tree here, or find somewhere away from the others? Well, uh... I don't know. How busy is it today? Things are pretty quiet. There aren't a lot of people out on the streets. Well, yeah, so here's probably fine then. Okay. So Tissa settles down under one of the trees. The morning is starting to pick up into late morning. 
It is warmer now than it was when you left the boat, but there is a chill wind, and those lavender and slate-colored clouds are growing nearer. It may decide to rain here before the day is through. I do like the smell of the wind before we rain. Yeah. It's real promising. It's always dramatic, mm. but... Mm. Mm. It's kind of bland this far in. It doesn't have that bite. The bite is a... It is a good thing. It is your favorite part? One of many. My favorite thing about the rain is that it isn't snow. I've never had it snow so hard as to try and wash a man overboard, so I suppose I have a different view on the matter. Well, you would have seen it if we hadn't turned around that time. Maybe. He kind of laughs to himself. He's in kind of a bad mood this morning, but he's a melancholy old type, so reminiscing always kind of seems to cheer him up a little bit. So, uh, Mr. Um, Cobb, was it? Mr. Cobb? Um, can I trouble you to keep an eye on these little guys for me for, for a minute? Um, They're not going to go far. They hardly ever go far. They hardly ever run off. We'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on them. Great, thanks. Hardly uh, ever. <laughs> look, I've I've known some runny offy kids. These guys are fine. Right, guys? And the kids kind of look up at him and didn't really hear it. They weren't paying attention and go back to their playing and he's like, Yeah, they're fine. He kinda steps away from everybody and kind of kinda waves Penelope over. I uh look, I, I did I really wanted to thank you for for getting Lil out safe. Uh I mean, she's real tough, but we didn't really have a plan, and it would have been real bad if uh, things had gone bad. So, uh, here. And he hands you a small package, about uh the size of a, like a plum, wrapped in kind of charcoal-smeared paper. Thank you, um... No, no, don't, don't worry about it. I know, I know, I know siblings and yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, no worries. And I've got so many siblings, but Will and I have always been a pair, so mm. I don't know what I'd do without her. And it's, and thank you guys. We, I don't know if, if we would have been able to get out if it weren't for you guys. So it yeah. goes both ways. All I did was distract the guard so she could get in. <laughs> Don't tell Marcus, but that's hilarious. He, he does not think it's very funny, does he? I, I don't know if he thinks many things are. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of fumbles with the package and then kind of like starts to open it. And th Thank you. you. You didn't have to do this. No, I mean, I don't have to do anything. I mostly do whatever I want. <laughs> that's the way to be. Yeah, um, I told you, free spirits. Oh. We go where the wind takes us, on sabbatical. Hmm. Vacation. Look, I'm a free-spirited artist, and I do whatever I want. That's good. It's a good way to be. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, look, they're looking kind of runny-offy. I don't know if he's going to be able to catch him. Hey, get back here. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go. I got to I gotta go wrangle these little guys. But, hey, thanks, Pam. Uh, yes, thanks yes. Thanks a lot. And then he takes off, just like, hey, 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 hey. Cobb is trying to wrangle as hard as he can, but uh, I don't think he's very good at it. They're extremely quick. Roll adaptability wrangling. <laughs> and the children have already kind of decided that they don't respect his authority. <sighs> Sod is trying to help you because he recognizes that he has to, to some degree, respect your authority. He's trying to get the other kids too, but it is not really working. <laughs> So, Tissa has been writing. Okay. She's trying to journal. She hasn't journaled really much ever, but she's trying to write about what happened last night, and it's kind of messy. It's sort of a string and mashed up feelings and physical sensations and not really much in the way of narrative. 
There's kind of at most a string of feelings and actions, but not a whole lot to glue them together yet. It felt like this, this happened. That's Artissa. But she's trying. There's something about having left her body and being forced back into it that makes everything seem a little bit more important to record. Noontime approaches. The mayor comes by to talk to everybody about what we're going to do with these four remaining children. Lily kind of climbs out of the tree, recognizes that there's many children and that they're making a lot of noises and climbs back up. Mm -hmm. Marcus eventually excuses himself to return to the ship. He's become concerned. And noon rolls around while you're sitting under your wiry little seaside tree. And as a cool gust of wind blows in from the ocean, today's word is nothing. Oh, well, that's very interesting. The big nothing. The big nothing. The big nothing. The biggest nothing you can imagine. The very largest of nothings. And by that, I mean, it's not that there is no word. It's that the word is the word nothing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, good. And if the day's nothing, well, it's all that much more important that uh, someone has to write down what happens. So it's about noon, which is the time that uh, Cobb made everyone promise to head back to the ship. The children are uh, playing. They've um, kind of come out of their shells a little bit. They're still not doing great, but they're they're clinging together. They're clinging to each other. And before you head back to the ship, you notice one of the children with uh, several extra layers of clothes wrapped around their head, waving a stick at something that only they can see. Ah, you've got a fan. Tissa, I think one of the kids uh, admires you. Uh, um, huh. This sort of potential consequence has never crossed Tissa's mind. That someone is, like, emulating me? And... She kind of lets her hands hang by her side for just a little bit. And so I guess she's going to walk toward the kid, not gonna say anything, not trying to draw attention to herself, but but she's gonna approach and watch. The kids are all talking to something that isn't there, that they all know where it is and in the way that kids playing a shared game of pretend do and you see the uh, little child all bundled up in extra clothes with the stick say very sternly to the pretend demon that you can't be here anymore and you can't take people anymore it's not fair and uh, this child is very confidently telling the imaginary demon what for (laughs) Tissa smiles underneath all of the layers, and I think says out loud, I'm glad you're telling the story now. And the kids kind of are a little bit startled. I don't think they they noticed you, but the kid kind of pulls the clothes away from their face and smiles at you and says, yeah, of course. It's a good story. (laughs) Where did you start? I never know where to start a story, so I really wanted to know where you start. Mm. We usually start when we're stuck in the rock. And the other kids nod. And one says, sometimes we start with the storyteller. Yeah, sometimes we start with the lady, but this time we started with the rock. It's a, it's a good place to start. And the kids nod. They seem to think so. Hmm. And then... And then where do you go? Mm. And then you guys come and get us. Yeah. But the lady tries to keep us in there. Uh Uh-huh. 
So we have to tell the lady to leave everybody alone. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think that if there's one other thing, is even the the lady wanted everyone to know that even as mean as she is. So mean! So mean! What she wanted is for her to have her own place, and I think we can let her have that. I'm not going back. Nuh-uh, never. Never going back there. I'm glad. But I think it's important to say that everything has desires, even scary things. But everything, trees, demons, they all want something, and that's important for knowing the story, too. And most of the kids are looking at you blankly, but... (laughs) The kid with the stick and the scarves nods a little bit. Seems on some level to get what you're saying. I, um, I'm sorry to interrupt. But, but I'm glad. Mm. And all the kids kind of, kind of run up and they, they all in their own little way say thank you for rescuing us. And they're, they're all very excited to gather around. And then eventually they they break away to go back to their game on the lawn of the hotel. And Tissa's not entirely sure if this keeps her end of the bargain with the demon or not, but that seems good enough to her. So you guys go back to the Westbreaker. Sot goes back with you. He was with the other kids. It was time to go. The sky has, due to the reflections in the clouds on this peculiar sun-showery day, a familiar cast, especially to Penelope, although for the moment I'm not going to let you be able to place exactly where. Outside Tissa's room, there is a bundle. Now, I'm going to say before we start memory time, I'd like you to give me, the GM, your memory point. Done. So there is a bundle wrapped in cloth that is smeared with dark splotches of grease. It has a sort of a ribbon, seems to also be made of sailcloth, but it's wrapped around it and tied in an awkward bow. Tissa is going to stop in the middle of the hallway oblivious to whether or not any other people are there, and pick up the package. It is about your height, and not particularly heavy. She unwraps it. What you find inside is a spear. It is made of lightweight and sturdy material. The tip of it is petal-shaped, and there are a couple smaller petals coming off at the base of the blade. At the bottom of the shaft, there is what looks like a sturdy rubber foot for use as a walking stick. (laughs) Uh, Tissa is really fascinated by the materials and textures of this thing. But what she's going to do is tie the scarf that she got from the left hand right under the guard if the spear has a guard like the way that a boar spear would yeah that's those those additional petals form that little guard yeah oh okay yeah so she's gonna tie the demon scarf right there as a reminder and slink into her room and probably pass out for the day so before we call it a couple of things Is Penelope going to open that package? Yes. So, the Westbreaker is pulling away. Stephen and Lily have declined to come with you, but Stephen has given many, like, awkward clicking noises and reassurance that uh, he would see you around. 
and or on the flip side. <laughs> and what is in the package is one of the pieces of treasure from the demon's hoard. One of those matching turquoise necklaces. A piece of turquoise uh, about the size of a cherry. Polished and wrapped with beaten gold wire. Hmm. The paper it is wrapped in was torn from a sketchbook. And it shows a rugged, tough-looking young lady with children on either side of her. And all of them are staring out of frame at something. The children are seated on the ground. And despite her apparent strength and toughness, there is something gentle and soft in her expression. And this is a sketch of Penelope. Must have been made when the storyteller was telling her story at the docks the other day. Hmm. It's it's very touching. She takes the picture and posts it in her room and (laughs) turns over the gem in her hand a couple times and the back of her mind kind of wonders, is it okay to have this? Is this going to make the demon mad? (laughs) Perhaps she'll ask Tissa later, but for now, she can tell that Tissa's got a lot to think about and probably really tired, so she'll talk to her next time Tissa's awake. And... Penelope looks out her window at the sky, which is growing up that peculiar shade of gold. You realize what it reminds you of. In your hometown every year at the end of summer, there is a festival to commemorate the end of summer and the beginning of the harvest. And everyone gets together for games and for parties and for contests of all kinds. And every year, somebody from the village is chosen to help out with the festival, to be kind of the centerpiece in the big festival parade. And you remember with fondness that last year you volunteered to do it this year. Hmm. It is getting to that time. And all this talk about siblings has kind of made her think about her siblings. And, uh, yeah, she starts to to think about it's time to maybe head towards home again check on how the village is doing or the surrounding ranches and things like that. Um. You know what else it's time for? Memories! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Kirsten, (laughs) it's memory time! (laughs) Kirsten is on top of things. (laughs) On top of this shit. (laughs) Okay, well, since you're so excited, you go first. I really liked... When Tissa was talking to the children when they were playing out their story, like her saying, I'm glad you're telling the story now is like, I don't know, that really got me in the feels. It was... That was extremely sweet. Yeah. Nick. Let's see, you took mine, so I got to think of another one. <laughs> Honestly, I really liked Lily and Steven's sort of like, whatchamacallit, uh, like tree fight. <laughs> <laughs> getting along, but not quite getting along, that sort of thing. Yeah. I thought that was very cute. I do like those two. They are pretty great. <laughs> I really liked the kind of stare down between Cobb and Marcus over the new crew member. <laughs> <sighs> and I'm sure that we'll have many interesting storytelling and mechanical things to do with Sot in the future. Mm-hmm. Just to say, so far from combat. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very far. Okay. And Clara's adorable for making that spear. So sweet. Yeah, um, Clara's ability is weaponsmith. That's her season one ability. Ooh, that's right. So when Kathleen mentioned to me that she thought she had lost her spear, I was like, oh, don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, I got something for this. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, so thank you all for playing with me. Thank you guys for playing uh, this arc. This has been extremely sweet. Thank you, listeners, for listening to us and for being with us and for your affections, which we cherish in our hearts. Always? Always. 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 Thank you, everyone. Also, join us next time. Um, We will be... It's a surprise. Next time is a surprise. Hmm? 
Next time is a surprise, Kirsten. Oh, okay. Then Join us next time for a surprise. For a surprise. Okay. <laughs> next time is a big surprise. You can message us at, at Peach Garden Games on Twitter or using the email form on our website. We would love to hear from you. Yes, we have heard from, from some of you. So, hey, you know what? That actually means a whole lot to us. It uh, is thank wonderful. you so much. Major shouts out to Rhea. Thank you for such a lovely note. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 100 shout outs. Oh, I You're going to lose track of your shout outs so much, Kirsten. <laughs> I am. <sighs> all right. So um, that's all our business. Uh, bye, everybody. Bye. bye.